Good morning, Crossroads family. I am so glad that you've joined us for worship today. I wanted to start off by taking a chance to celebrate what God has been doing here at Crossroads. Uh, over the last five weeks, we've been going through our All In series and really been challenged to take a next step in our generosity. And we've been taking the opportunity to walk through what it looks like in this process of us going all in. What does that look like? What does that mean? And the reality is we have so much to celebrate. God has been so good. Crossroads, last Sunday was an extraordinary moment in the life of our church. And I, I have to be honest with you, as your pastor, uh, setting that series up, having that be the thing that's been on my heart for the better part of a year, I had been thinking about, preparing for, praying about this moment, and I had no idea what that moment would look like, what it would feel like, what the response would be. And in every service last Sunday, as we came to that moment where it was time to make our commitment, I was overwhelmed every single service by not just how many people came forward to make their commitments, but how quickly people jumped out of their seats to make their commitments. It was an overwhelming and sacred moment because I realized this is the moment in the life of our church where we have decided, all of us, are going all in. And I cannot wait to see how God is going to honor that and what he is going to do because we have a dream here. We wanna connect thousands of outsiders to Jesus, invite as many people as we can to a changed life and celebrate over the next few years with a thousand people who encounter Jesus and have their lives changed by him through baptism. I, I can't wait to celebrate these beautiful and sacred moments and it's all possible because we are committing as a church family, we are going to lead the way in generosity. We are going all in. And so the journey that we've been going through over the last five weeks is really, it's a matter of our heart. There's that realization that God really doesn't care about our money. He cares about our hearts. And so the realization is, is that we as a people, we as a family, as, as followers of Jesus, we have to step out of our comfort zones. We have to take that first step and, and follow Jesus. When he calls our name, when he calls us to a moment in time to step out in faith, we've got to take that step and follow him. We've got to trust that he is faithful, that we can put our trust in his promises, that he is going to provide, that when he says, I'm asking you to step out of your comfort zone, I'm asking you to lead the way in generosity, that's a scary step. And yet God proves himself time and time again, he is faithful, he is the God who provides. And when we make those decisions to make Jesus the highest priority of our lives in every area of our lives, especially when it comes to our finances, he shows up. When we unlock that, that door to generosity in our lives, God begins to do things that we never would have seen or imagined otherwise. And I can't wait to see you guys what that looks like as a church, as we take these moments and, and we embrace the moment and the opportunity to, to surrender, to step out in faith, to be willing to even sacrifice above and beyond what our normal gifts and offerings are and recognize this is a moment where we are surrendering to Jesus. We are making a commitment that we are going all in. And now it's time for us to step back and watch how God is going to show up. And I can't wait to see what is going to happen because you guys, we have so much to celebrate. Uh, I can't wait to celebrate that with you, to be perfectly honest. In the next couple of weeks, we're gonna be celebrating what has happened here. Not only the stories that are already being told, but the pledges that have come in you guys, God's gonna be doing some extraordinary things here at Crossroads in the life of our church. Uh, if the commitments that came in last Sunday are any indicator, guys, a spirit of revival is happening right now and lives are going to be changed. And 
I want to make sure that everyone has a chance to be a part of that. The truth is, not everybody was able to be with us last Sunday. I get that. And I want you to be able to have the opportunity to invest in this moment that I believe is going to ripple through eternity. Every time we baptize someone over the next few years, I want you to know you played a part of this. You invested in that sacred and beautiful moment. And so here's what I want you to do. If you weren't able to be here last Sunday, or you haven't been able to turn in your commitment card yet, I want to encourage you to take this moment uh, to fill out your commitment card so that you can be a part of what is happening here at Crossroads. The goal has always been 100% participation. It's all of us all in. So if you didn't get a chance to make your commitment yet, I encourage you. There's commitment cards on the seats at every campus today, no matter where you're at, whether you're joining in Goshen and Mishawaka or St. Pete, grab one of these commitment cards and write in the amount that you're committing to give. This would be the amount that's above and beyond your regular tithes and offerings. This is your commitment saying, God, I'm all in. I want to invest in eternity. I'm going to lead the way in generosity. And so whatever that amount is, that's between you and God. God doesn't care about your money. He cares about your heart. What's he calling you to give? What's that next step of generosity he's asking you to take? Write down what that amount is, whether it's the amount you're gonna give weekly, monthly, or whether it's a one-time gift, write that out there clearly. And on your way out today, drop that in the baptism pool that's in the lobby. That ties into that beautiful and sacred moment where we are going to celebrate lives that have been changed forever because of our willingness to lead the way in generosity. I'll end this time together where we started our All In series. I believe that God will take us as far as we let him. And these are beautiful moments where we can take a next step, not only in our generosity, but in our relationship with Jesus. And I cannot wait to celebrate with you, not only what God has already done, but to look forward with great anticipation and excitement at what he's going to do. Crossroads, our best days are right in front of us. And I cannot wait to do this adventure with you. Now, listen. It's a special day. Pastor Dustin is here and he has a great message that God has given us today. The truth is we are surrounded by opportunities to invite people to a changed life. And we've got to lean into those moments and make sure we're living on mission. So let's give a round of applause for Dustin. Welcome him to the stage. It's a great day here at Crossroads. Yes, well, good morning, Crossroads. I am Dustin, I'm a pastor on staff. And before we get going too far, I just want to take a second to celebrate our different campuses. Can we give it up for our online campus this morning? Let's give it up for them. We're with you. We love you. We also, let's give it up for our St. Pete campus, all the way in Florida, Pastor Remington. That's right. We love you guys. We're with you. And my personal favorite, which is where I'm at these days, is the Mishawaka campus. Can we give it up for our Mishawaka campus? That's right. We love you. Oh, man, we are with you. And it's great to be at a church that is one church in multiple locations. And we're excited that you are here uh, today. Uh, you know, truthfully, as we're coming out of our All In series, uh, I believe, we believe, uh, that God has placed in front of us an opportunity, uh, an opportunity to be a part of something that has eternal significance, to be a part of something way bigger than any of us could do on our own. And you know, as I was reflecting on that opportunity and what that means, uh, I, I, I started thinking about how painful it is uh, when we miss opportunities. There's such a unique pain that comes along with missing opportunities, this sense of regret that can like stay with you for a very long 
time. In fact, recently I was watching a documentary on Netflix, and the fact that they produced this documentary is one of the most baller moves of all time, because it was about the demise of Blockbuster, right? And how Blockbuster, uh, there's only like one left in the world, and it's just a, a, attracts their, their failures and their fall from grace. And there's a scene in that movie uh, where there's a board meeting, a boardroom of the, the powers that be at Blockbuster, which were at the height of its powers. It was like the place to go. I remember so many times being in Blockbuster and my mom was just like, hurry up, pick a movie, like after being there for two hours, right? Uh, because it was just like the play, it was a, such a great, it's a beautiful place back in the 90s and early 2000s, right? Uh, and uh, in, in that, that scene, right, in walks this company called Netflix, which was like ordering DVDs through the mail. And they said, hey, we've got a great business model, great business idea. We'd love to, for you to buy us for $50 million. And Blockbuster elbowed each other. All the guys and girls in the room elbowed each other and laughed. And they made fun of Netflix. And they said, your business will never work. We're the kings of this place right now. And they laughed Netflix out of the room. And then the rest of the documentary showed a Netflix, paid for by Netflix, shows how Blockbuster destroyed itself and is currently worth nothing. Right? The corporate Blockbuster is worth nothing. Meanwhile, Netflix is worth $400 billion. And many of you probably woke up this morning to hear that beautiful sound and the red N come across your screen, right? Uh, and, and the thing is, not only did they miss an opportunity to, to have a lot of money and be crazy rich, they also missed an opportunity to be a part of something that is exciting and new and fresh and, and help shape culture. And if they would have said yes, you would see Blockbuster come across your screen. It would have been a blue and yellow B and not a red N. I mean, they missed a huge opportunity. Heard another story about a, a, a couple of guys in 1999. They had a, a software program designed that would help order the way you search on the internet. It was the backbones of what we would later call Google. And these two guys went to Yahoo and they said, hey, we'd love to sell you this piece of programming for a million dollars. And Yahoo said, we, don't, we, don't have, we already know what we're doing. We don't have any interest in, in this. And of course, Yahoo still exists, but Google is now worth $500 billion. And the people in that room could have acquired the backbone of it for just a million dollars. Those guys missed an opportunity. Just this last week, I was playing fantasy football, and I left a receiver on the bench that scored 40 points. So I know how they feel, right? <laughs> when you have opportunities and you miss it, these things stay with you for a long time. And the truth is, I think, I think God is a God of opportunity, and he is constantly giving us and showing us opportunity. And I think far too often we get used to missing opportunities. And I don't want to be a part of a church. I don't want to have a faith that consistently misses the opportunities that God presents in front of us. And that's why as a church, we're going, we're going all in together because we believe that God has given us a vision a vision and a bunch of opportunities to help thousands of people find changed lives. Can we get excited about that vision across our church today? Thank you. And see, the truth is the reason we're passionate about that vision is because Crossroads is on a mission. That's our mission, to help people connect with God And the truth is Crossroads is on a mission because the church is always on mission. 
That's what the church was designed to do to the point where I believe this. Once the church stops being on mission, it stops being the church. And we want to be a church that seizes opportunity and continually pushes forward to be on mission. And see, we're going to actually look at that today. It's a book in the New Testament called Acts. And Acts follows the story and the details of how the early followers of Jesus were transformed into a movement that we would call church. See, Acts was written by Luke, and if you read Luke right into Acts, they actually are meant to go right together. It's like the sequel to the book of Luke, the gospel of Luke. Luke and Acts picks up in chapter 1, and it, and it shows the, the, the disciples, and they're trying to figure out what to do. Right now, Jesus ascends into heaven, and he gives them this great promise to be with them forever. They're still not sure what that means for them. In fact, they're a little timid and afraid. Then we turn the page to Acts chapter 2 and we see this incredible moment where the spirit of Jesus shows up inside each of the followers of Jesus and they begin to speak about the great things that Jesus has done for them. And a huge moment of God in, in a time we now celebrate called Pentecost erupts, you can see it in Acts chapter 2, and thousands of people come to know Jesus. Thousands of, of lives are changed in that moment. It's an incredible moment. And a church is, is born. Because in, in those thousands of people, now, now they ask the question, so now what? Now what do we do? And a community begins to be formed. In fact, several communities begin to be formed. And at the end of Acts chapter 2, you see kind of how they begin to organize themselves. And, and, and a people are formed and they share their resources. And they share their time together. They share their talents and their treasures together. They share in meals together. They share burdens together. And a community is formed. And today I want to focus on the very next chapter, right after we find out about this community that would eventually turn into the movement that is the church we're at today. Acts chapter 3 starts off on a, on a great moment, in my opinion. And so we're going to look there because I believe it shows us what it means for us to be a church that seizes opportunity, to be a church that is all in together. And so we're going to go there in Acts chapter 3, starting in verse 1. Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in the 3 o'clock prayer service. As they approached the temple, a man lame from birth was being carried in. Each day he was put beside the temple gate, the one called the beautiful gate, so he could beg from the people going into the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. See here, uh, Peter and John, see Peter is the guy that Jesus said, you are my rock and on you I will build my church. Right, Peter is like the core of the church. And then John is the disciple who Jesus loved. Right? And so together, this isn't just Peter and John. This is the church, and they're going about daily routine, something they've done many times before. It's three in the afternoon, and they're still pretty good Jews, and so they walk to afternoon prayer at the temple. And as they're going there, there's a guy, right? And this guy, he's, not a, he's, he's there asking for money. His, his legs had been twisted and, and broken from birth, and so he has to be carried, and he's placed right next to the gate, and he's just got his hand out, and he's like, could you give me some money? He's begging. Come on, I need some money. 
And he's not a dummy because he knows this is a pretty busy gate to the temple. And he's done this his whole life. And so he's gotten used to the idea of this is how he lives. And he's chosen a pretty good gate. And the truth is, charity is a big part of Jewish culture. And so I'm sure every day he makes enough to get by. And so he keeps showing up every day. But I want to kind of pause and, and zoom in at where this guy has chosen to seat himself. He's right on the outside of the gate. Right? And see, he has to know, growing up in that culture, what kinds of things are happening in the temple. He's heard the stories about God, and probably he's heard lots of scriptures before. He probably knows that these people that pass him every day, the same people he gets used to seeing go through the same gate, because we're creatures of routine, they're going to worship God. He knows what's happening, but he has chosen to stay on the outside. And so the church, Peter and John, the church, they encounter an outsider, and sometimes I'm afraid about using a label like that because saying outsider and insider, if you, you think you're an insider just because you're in the church, you almost feel like you're better than everyone else who's an outsider. But I do think it's a, a good phrase to use because that's how he sees himself. He's on the outside looking in. And I think it's, it's important to pause on him because I think he represents not just this guy or not just all people who can't walk or disabled people or whatever, but he represents a whole population of people who consider themselves outsiders, who feel like outsiders, who choose to be outsiders. And we don't necessarily know all of the reasons or whatever, but, but I think we, as we freeze on him, I, I think we have to recognize that we are surrounded by outsiders. And maybe even some of you feel like you're an outsider. You feel like you just don't belong. You're not sure where you fit in. You're not even sure why you're here. You heard there's free coffee, and that was good enough for you this morning. Some of us feel like outsiders. And people are outsiders for lots of different reasons. Some people are outsiders because they're skeptical. They've heard what we believe. It just, they don't buy it. They're not buying it. They don't believe the Bible is inspired. They don't believe in Jesus. They've heard it. They're just, they don't believe it anymore. Or they never did. They're outsiders. Some people are outsiders because they carry deep wounds. People who say they love Jesus have said things to them and done things to them that have cut them deeply in their soul. And they carry deep wounds and they say, well, if that's what followers of Jesus are like, I'm not going anywhere near them. I'm going to stay on the outside. And some people have done things themselves and they feel like, man, what I've done, there's no way that God could love me. And I'm going to feel judged if I walk in the door. And, and people aren't going to like me. And I'm just going to feel like, I think I deserve to be an outsider. And they feel shame. And it keeps them on the outside. And some people, truthfully, I think if we were honest, just don't care. Not a big deal. They don't get what it's about. And there are lots of reasons why people choose to be outsiders. I'm not sure it's important even for us to diagnose why people stay outsiders, but here's what I think is important, church. It matters how we treat them. How we treat people matters, and incredibly matters. The way we talk about people that don't believe like us or think like us or step into our churches, the way we talk about them and even post on social media about them, it matters 
And a lot of times the conversation about church is just, it's kind of hateful rhetoric about people who don't believe or look like us. How we treat the outsider matters to God. And we're surrounded by outsiders. Let's keep going to the next part of the story. It says, Peter and John looked at him intently. And Peter said, look at us. The lame man looked at them eagerly, expecting some money. But Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, get up and walk. Then Peter took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up. And as he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. This is an incredible moment. Right? And just before we, we move on from this guy, I, I think it's important to zero in because this guy, uh, his whole life, had been sitting there waiting for a handout. And maybe at the beginning he was hoping somebody could help him get out of the current challenge he was facing. Because life for him was not easy. Life was not simple for him. He was hoping maybe somebody could help him, but eventually after you spend a whole life, he had come to realize that maybe this is what his life is destined to be. I'm the guy that begs for money. And he's just hoping that his, his request is, hey, listen, if you could just give me a little bit of cash, I could go down the street and buy myself some food. And maybe if I get enough today, I can pay for a bed to sleep in. And that's all, if I could just get that. Right, and every day people pass by, maybe they flip him a coin. Right, most people just kind of shuffle. They don't want to make a scene. They don't want to talk to him because he smells and he looks weird and he's broken and in their culture he was unclean and so they shouldn't touch him. So they kept their distance. And life was a challenge for this man. And I want to take note in this, in this passage of how the church, and by the church I mean Peter and John, who are representing us, how they respond to a man who's going through a challenge. The first thing I hope you noticed is this. He said, look at me. Peter said that. Look at me. And he's trying to give this guy dignity. Right, when Peter looks at this guy, he doesn't see a, a beggar. He doesn't see a lame man. He doesn't see some guy with broken legs or something wrong with him. He doesn't see the condition he's walking through. He doesn't see his labels that society has put on him. What he sees is a fellow human being that is created in the image of God. And he says, before anything else, I want to show you the dignity you deserve as a fellow human. Look at me. A gift most people who gave him money would never have done. And yeah, I want to pause there again because I think often when we encounter people who are different or, or down on their luck or broken, it's easy to see them as something other. When people disagree with us, it's easy to paint them as something altogether different than us. But every single person was created in the image of God. And I think it's the church's job is to treat people with the dignity that God created them for. Their fellow humans, and Peter and John looks at this guy in the eyes, and they say, I see you. I see you. And the second thing that Peter and John are willing to give is hope. He says, listen, I see that you are in a condition that's not good. 
right? And this guy, in his condition, he had pretty low expectations, right? I just want some money so I can buy some food. That's his expectations. He even had it out eagerly expecting some money. And Peter and John are like, hey, I don't have that, but what I have is far greater. He said, listen, man, you're aiming way too low because I believe God has something far greater for you than a handout. So I want to introduce you to the hope we have in Jesus. There's hope for you, man. There's something greater. It's like I believe that God can take dead things and make them life. And the church is willing to give hope and willing to speak Jesus into circumstances where he doesn't seem to exist yet. And he says, here's hope. And guys, I have to believe as followers of Jesus, we, are, we cling to the hope we have in Jesus. Even if people around us don't seem to believe like us, that's the hope we have. And I hope you've experienced that hope in your life because we believe Jesus takes dead things and broken things and he, he gives life to them. We have hope in Jesus. And the church are supposed to be dealers in hope. You just pass in hope to a guy who's broken. And the third thing Peter and John do, the church do, is they offer a hand they say, here's my hand. Let me help you out of your circumstance. The church says, let me show you the way. Let me walk with you. Let me guide you out of your current condition. See, here's the reality. We have an opportunity to connect people with God. We have an opportunity to connect people with God. And here's the truth. This guy had been around the church his whole life, the temple. He knew that God existed and God was there. I believe that. But it took Peter and John, it took two people to connect him to God, to connect him to the hope we have in Jesus. And this is the whole idea behind the church. This is why we exist. It's to help connect people with God. I believe that God's plan in the world is to use someone like you to find somebody who's far from him, to bring them back to himself. And the church is God's plan A. You are his plan A to bring his redemption and healing into the world. And as far as I'm concerned, there is no plan B. And as a church, as a people, we have an opportunity to connect people with God. Let's keep going to verse 7. It says, then Peter took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up. And as he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and straightened. He jumped up, stood on his feet, and began to walk. Then walking, leaping, and praising God, he went into the temple with them. A dance party has erupted inside the temple. This is a place that would have been used to pretty solemn affairs, people walking to and from afternoon prayers. Well, this guy's life has just been radically changed, and so he's throwing himself a party because it's not just about having legs that work again. Having working legs again unlocks in a completely new way to live, a new way to be. And in that culture, it was a new way for him to exist in the world. Things that were dead were now alive to him. And he's realizing that his life has just been radically transformed. And here's the truth. Lives can be changed. And this is a, a truth claim that I think is exclusive to the gospel because a lot of times we kind of paint people off as they are just the way that they are. It is the way that it is. Bad people are bad people and things don't seem to change. But with Jesus, it's possible to change. 
lives can be radically changed. And I think I mean that at a deeper level. Not only can lives be changed, but when you come to know Jesus, your life will be changed. That's why we say this at Crossroads a lot. Jesus loves you just the way that you are, but he refuses to leave you that way. And oftentimes as a church, we're expecting outsiders to change when we're unwilling to do the work in our own hearts and lives. To be transformed into the image of Jesus, it takes work and it's hard, but we have the power to change in our life. And there are probably some circumstances in your life you're facing and you're not sure if they can be changed or if anything can do, be done about them. But with Jesus, things can change. There is hope for your future. And some of us, I think, need to be willing to look at our life and do the hard work of letting ourselves be transformed into the image of Jesus. Because the lives can be changed. And church, we have an opportunity to celebrate the change. Just last week when we had the baptismal at the front here in Goshen and at every campus we had baptismals, that is a, that is a symbol for us of what happens when someone chooses to change their life. And we believe every time someone's baptized, it's a celebration of new life because Jesus can change any of us and he wants to change all of us. And we have an opportunity to celebrate the change that happens in people's lives. And our vision is a thousand changed lives. Can we get excited about that vision at Crossroads that we get to be a part of? An opportunity for us to join in what God's doing. Let's go to the next part of the story. In verse 9 it says this. All the people saw him walking and heard him praising God. When they realized he was the lame beggar they had seen so often at the beautiful gate, they were absolutely astounded. They all rushed out in amazement to Solomon's colonnade where the man was holding tightly to Peter and John. See, not only was this man's life changed, his position in life was changed. He's no longer an outsider. He feels like he belongs. He's clinging to the church, to his people. And you see, all these people now begin to gather around this man. It's like, isn't this the guy with, who's the lame guy sitting on the outside looking in? What's he doing dancing, right? Life change is contagious. And all of these people, it's a scene now. Everybody wants to rush to be a part of what is happening in this moment. And I think we have to pause and realize that when lives are changed, people want to be a part of it. Right? Like, like people love to see lives changed because it seems unnatural and it seems miraculous. And it is. Life change is contagious. But more than that, deeper than that, I think life change is never just about the person whose life's being changed. So what we're realizing is this moment is much bigger than just one man. This is bigger than Peter and John. This is bigger than a lame man being healed. Because when Jesus wants to change your life, when God does something in your life, it's never just about you. I'll say that again. When God does something in your life or for you or with you, it's never just about you. And if we make it just about us, then we miss the point of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. It's never just about you. It's contagious. Life change is contagious. We're invited to be a part of it. And we have an opportunity as a church to contribute to the community, to be a part of what God is doing. And that's why we talk about serving at Crossroads. 
It's not just because we think we need you to make things happen, although we need you to make things happen. But we believe that when you begin to look at the needs of others, it unlocks something in you, something in you that looks like Jesus. And your faith is never just about you. In fact, if you turn to the Old Testament, God has an encounter with a man named Abraham. And he says, I'm going to bless you. We like to stop there. <laughs> That's not where it stops. I'm going to bless you so that you will be a blessing. And that's our calling as a church. We have an opportunity to contribute to the community. Now, this is where that section of scripture ends. And, but I'm going to cheat a little bit and, and go ahead. Because in verse 12, I think something profound happens. See, this crowd has gathered. The, the, the lame guy is now hugging and Peter and John. It's this crazy moment, right? Everything is right there. And, and look at verse 12. Peter saw his opportunity and addressed the crowd. See, see, now we realize that what God has done in this man is much bigger than what God did in that man. God is up to something. Right? Peter and John just started that day going to the prayer meeting, but God had bigger plans for him. God had given Peter an opportunity, and Peter seized it. And I encourage you to read the rest of Acts chapter 3 because Peter stands up in front of all of these people and he begins to share the message about Jesus. And I do want to remind you, this is the first time anybody's preached in this story. Peter gets up and he tells the people the truth and he invites them into a new way to live, into a new way to be human. He invites them to know Jesus and even more people's lives are changed because Peter had an opportunity and he seized it. And so church, I don't know what your opportunity is today, but I do have this last question for you. It's what will you do, what will we do with your opportunity? Maybe for you, your opportunity is simply this. You felt like an outsider for so long and it's time for you to say yes to Jesus. It's time for you to recognize that this is a place for you to belong and that no one here is going to judge you. And if we do, we'll apologize for it. You're welcome here. You don't have to live as an outsider anymore. Maybe for you, you recognize there are things in your life that need to change. And you're holding other people accountable to standards you're not willing to have in your own life. We have an opportunity to change. There's hope for you. There's grace for you. And freedom. Maybe for you, your opportunity is to realize that what God's doing in your life is not just about you. There is somebody God is calling you to be hope for. There is somebody God is calling you to see with dignity. There is somebody God is calling you to reach a hand to. I believe God desires to give each of us an opportunity. So at each of our campuses today, as we reflect on this moment, as we're about to worship, I just invite you. This is an opportunity. And I promise whatever's happening after this, it will be there. But I don't want to miss that opportunity. I don't want to have a blockbuster moment here where we, where we miss out on what God wants to do in your life. And I think God is inviting you just to have a moment with Him. Because when we do, there's breakthrough. Let's pray together. Jesus, thank you. At each and every one of our campuses here in Goshen, Mishawaka, online, St. Pete, God, that you are moving, you are here, you are with us. 
And God, you invite us into life change and to connect people with God and to celebrate the change and to contribute to the community. And God, as we step in to these opportunities, may you do it with boldness. Thank you that you are the God of the breakthrough. Thank you for being with us this morning. In your name we pray. Amen.